Hello, everyone, and welcome to Medhead Podcast Season 4, Episode 2. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and now X. Weird saying X. X. Yeah, it's not Twitter, Twitter man. I still can't get used to it. I'm your host, Vic Aslanian, and as always, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Mr. Mike Allian, where we discuss our great Armenian history, covering different eras, topics, and people. If you're watching us on YouTube, please make sure you hit that thumbs up. Make sure you are subscribed and hit that notification bell so you get notified every time we go live or, uh, you know, upload a video. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, please share with family and friends. How are you? Great. Great. You excited yeah. for today's episode? I am. I know. We're going to get right into Got it. a wonderful uh, returning guest. Yes. Uh, we have quick uh, mentions uh, about, you know, we talked about opening up the sponsorships and I want to thank everybody who's reached out to us, but... Again, uh, we want to keep this. If you want to be sponsored uh, on the show, you want to make sure that it's something to do with either education, Armenian history, or anything that has to do within the realm that we're in. Um, as much as we appreciate everybody reaching out, it just it's not a fit if you're in construction or anything of that sort. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, I mean that could kind yeah, of. Yeah, but we want to stay in the educational uh, field around. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been ordering the sculptures. We appreciate it. I also want to mention one thing. Uh, you guys have heard before we talked about the organization Hike for Our Heroes. Um, and they're a great organization. They, they raise money and do amazing projects in Armenia and in Artsakh. Um, so we decided to join forces and we're going to do an actual hike together. Medhedosled and Hike for Our Heroes. Uh, it's going to be either end of this month or early October. We haven't finalized the date yet, but it'll be probably Saturday or Sunday. We'll announce it on our Instagram, so make sure you guys are following us. And um, we want everybody who's local to be able to join us. I'm uh, I'm an avid hiker. I love it. I go hiking with my daughter all the time. So um, it was just a perfect fit. So we want to do this, help uh, raise awareness, uh, raise some funds for the great projects we do. So make sure you follow us. And we'll, um, you know, announce it on our Instagram and on the next show as well. Uh, besides that, I don't want to waste any time. Um, today, we have the distinct honor of hosting a leading authority in the field of Armenian art and architectural history, Dr. Christina Moranti, who is currently serving as the Mashtots Professor of Armenian Studies at Harvard University. Mm -hmm. With numerous publications on, under her belt, Dr. Moranti has been instrumental in shedding light on the richness of Armenian heritage, especially the mesmerizing period of the Baghdad dynasty. Not only is she a brilliant academic, but her passion and dedication towards preserving and highlighting Armenian history have made her a respected figure in her domain. Uh, uh, from understanding the intricate details of Armenian church architecture, to um, uh, uh, revealing the mysteries, mysteries behind the uh, century-old manuscripts. Dr. Maranchi has done it all. Without any further ado, let's dive into the fascinating world of the Armenia's Baghdadet period uh, and its monumental legacy with Dr. Christina Maranchi. So I'm going to bring her on. Hello, Hi. Dr. Maranchi. How are you? Dr. Maranchi. Hi. Hi, good good day to you both. Well, How are you. you doing? We're doing good. great. Thank you so much for uh, coming back on the show. We were talking about yeah. this earlier, how um, you yeah. were, you know, when we first started the podcast, I was trying to reach so many uh, people in uh, Armenian professors and academics in the field to help us, yeah. you know, get this going. And 
you were one of the first people I reached out and you were so generous and replied right away and said, yes, of course I'll do it. And we were like, wow. Wow, we were a little <laughs> shocked. I particularly- oh, I should have played hard again. <laughs> I particularly was very shocked when he yeah. told me that you respond. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, I've watched your stuff on I, YouTube. Are you kidding uh, me? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's what I thought you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, now well, you tell me. Yeah. So hey, I, I got it was such a great conversation, and I got a, that T-shirt. I wear that T-shirt all the time. Thank you, thank you so much. And and those of you who are new to the show, please go back. It is season one, episode four. We are in season four. It's been over two years, so. Um, thank you so much for always being generous to us and helping us out. We really appreciate it. Um, the, the, one of the main reasons why I wanted you to come back on is because, uh, we are talking about that, uh, uh time where the Baghdad dynasty with, you know, city of Ani, everything we're, we're kind of go, going through we're, the, we're in that time era, yeah. time era. And yeah. we're like, she, she's perfect for, to yeah. kind of shed light, more light on, on this topic. So, uh, we're going to be, um, discussing um, the Baghdad dynasty mm -hmm. and their architecture and monuments that you've been researching a lot lately, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I've been doing, reading, going. Um, yeah. For many years now and my book is overdue, but I hope I'll finish it maybe next year. So okay. well, yeah. out, looking, on the back looking forward to <laughs> it. Yeah, we'll promote it. Yeah. I'm sure people. Looking forward to um, it. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you. So we, we, yeah. Prepared some questions for you, uh, and then a quiz after that. Nice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Great, I'll probably uh, fail it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you know, let's let's kind of start. I wanted to ask you um, for our listeners who might not be familiar. Could you briefly explain the significance of the Armenian Baghdad period and the broader tapestry uh, of the mm -hmm. Armenian history? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, the Bagratid period, so from the 880s to the um, the 11th century, the first half of the 11th century, um, is uh, obviously s sort of squarely in the what we call the you know historians will call the medieval period, um, and it's uh, it's a period of um, a kind of ascendancy of royal kingdoms, Armenian royal kingdoms. The Bagratids, the Arturanese, the princes of Sunik, um, after a period of uh, when Armenia is under the control of um, the fact, the jury anyway, of the Abbasid Caliphate, and um, since the seventh century, so it's a period um, of uh, of this you know sort of emergence of of royal kingdoms and that makes it very important very special I mean obviously we know about Kilikia that's later um, but this is uh, you know this is really the um, the sort of what the Bagratids themselves if you had them you might consider having them on Merherosner too by the way you know act, actual like maybe Gagik or Sumbat but what they would probably tell you is that they you know they're they're not the, the first kingdom, they're the. Nope. I think we lost her. All right. We're back. Yeah. Are you there? We're yeah, back. I'm back. We're back. We're back. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I don't know if it's me or you or anyway. But they would say they're the renovation of the Ashakuni kingdom. That's mm. how they would understand themselves, not as new kings, but really as kind of the return yeah. of the, the kings. Okay. Um, so. That's, you know, I think that's a very important point to make about them. And, um, and that's how they sort of 
are, um, that's where they sort of stage themselves in terms of history. And of course, after the end of the Bagratids in the 11th century, then you have the migration of Bagratids and other elites to Kilikia in, um, in you know, in southwestern Asia Minor. And, uh, and then this kind of resumption of, of, of yet another kingdom. Um, and then after that, things kind of go downhill yeah, in yeah. some ways. We're not <laughs> looking forward least to that. Geopolitically. Yeah, 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 just a little bit. I mean, they went through a so lot. The way it goes. Uh, you know, a lot yeah. of turmoil happened during that period yeah. back and forth. And like I said, we, we've been, we're... I, where we just covered some about the second mm-hmm. and um just oh, and, and it seems like yeah. it's the same cycle that keeps happening over and over which is very frustrating mm-hmm. when you're kind of mm-hmm. you know learning about it and reading about it yeah yeah it's yeah, yeah, yeah especially, especially with all the geopolitical turmoil that started to kind of sprout up upon that area let's say in an eighth ninth oh. tenth century leading into the holy yeah. wars and so on so yeah. forth um, which kind of leads me into the next question is mm-hmm. what kind of geopolitical circumstances like dating back uh, to the beginning yeah, of the Bakhradid yeah. dynasty um, sure. allowed for mm-hmm. the the ascendance of the Bakhradid dynasty, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. how did it kind right. of shape the future trajectory of it? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, and it's something I've really tried to answer in granular detail um, reading this summer about the period of um, the the Abbasid sort of Islam, actually Umayyad and Abbasid control of Armenia, so 7th century to um, to the 9th century. But even before that, looking at the Bagratids and their, uh, as a dynasty and their, their kind of growth as a leading family. And so what you can say is if you're following them is that um, in the with this, there's a battle of Bagravant in the late eighth century when the Mamakonians kind of like that's when they kind of things go downhill for them. Uh, the Bagratids kind of emerge at that time as as one of these leading families. They we've known about them, you know, before that. They're yeah. they're certainly um, a major family, but this is when they really come to to kind of this leading position, becoming things like the print, presiding prince of Armenia. Um, under the the um, uh, Umayyads and Abbasids, and they um, and that and but the crucial thing is, and this this should ring true for some of your listeners, they start to acquire land, and they this is done like Ashot Musaker, the meat eater, starts doing this um, in the ninth century, and slowly, slowly they start acquiring land. They acquire the the area of Shirak, where ultimately they're going to build Ani. Um, and they're very judicious and they're very good um, diplomats working with across this tremendous constellation of groups that we know um, resided in uh, historical Armenia in the 8th, 9th, 10th centuries. And so we're not just talking about the Abbasids and their Vostikans, right, these sort of governors. We're yeah. talking about so many different kinds of groups. It's dizzying, you know, yeah. from the Shadadids to the Salarids to the Kaysites. To, I mean, it's just, you, you know, you try to get, you try to wrap your mind around these different groups who are sometimes rebelling against the caliph. And, and, and then, you know, they're, they're at each other's throats. And so there's a tremendous, not just chess, it's like something beyond chess that's being played yeah. in, um, in, this, in this kind of period, um, this interregnum period. Um, and the Bagratids are, I think, for one, they're lucky uh, you know this Garsoyan's law, this term that that has been 
Back now. I don't know what happened. It's okay. It's, I think it's, it's an right, internet it's thing. Don't worry about don't it. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, okay. Um, okay. So Gar- Nina Garsoyan, named after mm-hmm. Nina Garsoyan, it's quite Garsoyan's law. And it's that Armenians ascend to power when there's equilibrium with their other like neighboring superpowers. When they're, when these two superpowers are kind of in equilibrium, um, it gives Armenia, and they're kind of also, you know, at each other's throats, it gives Armenia a chance to rise. So yeah. that's, um, that's her, in a nutshell, that's her, that's her idea. And I think the Bagratids really are able for at least a short time to capitalize on that. Doesn't mean, and this needs to be said a million times, it doesn't mean that they, that there, this was like a, you know, there, there were problems and there was dissent within the Bagratids. Um, and then certainly across these different princely, fa- the royal families, the Archernees, the Bagratids. It's a mess. Yeah. But in that, so many dynamics, you know, right? Like it's, it's. Oh, it's. I mean, it's we were just lost. Heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it was it was even difficult for us to keep up with uh, how many we've we've kind of covered like five or six episodes right now yeah. in that time area era. Let's yeah. say about 200, 250 years so far. Yeah. And even for us, we've kind of had to go back and double check. It's like, wait a minute. Hold on. So this yeah. family did this and then these guys did this right. to that person. Yeah. Just so you kind of know right. to keep up with what was yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really it's really a lot. And so um, and, you know, the dealing with the primary sources, you also get like the Artsuruni side and then you get the Bagratuni side. So it's hard to know, like, you know, OK, all right, there's complete silence on this subject. What could that mean? I mean, it's also interesting because it's a time when you get mediation um, of the Catholicoi and you get mediation of different kinds of individuals, some women who um uh, who come to this sort of leading position, often meeting between mediating between Armenians and these other groups, mostly Islamic groups that are around them. And then the problem, the the other issue that we have to talk about is Devin, because Devin mm-hmm. is this kind of this is the place that everybody wants to control. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so the baggage is in, included. And even before they fe- they they make Ani their capital, they siege Dvin, and this is Ashrod Volgormaz. He wants Dvin, and he doesn't get Dvin, so he founds Ani as a royal capital. But it's it's really so much of this focus is on Dvin as this commercial center that is really in the eye in the sight lines of 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 people. You think um, that's because of a lot of the trade was going through yeah. Devin? That mm-hmm. was the main thing. Yeah. Now, one thing yeah. you said about uh, land grab. Um, yeah. From what I remember, what we covered, it was mostly it wasn't like by force as much as it was more like yeah, uh, like just making deals, Cutting purchasing deals. Land, yes, land, yeah. and and I mean like real estate we basically. Don't, Exactly. I mean, we don't we don't always know like the like Musaker Ashot Musaker. So you know, often you'll hear like he purchased this land from the Kamsarakans, and it may have been something where you know the Kamsarakans are in the decline in the ninth century. You don't hear about them like you did yeah. in the seventh century, um, and so he may have made some kind of, of deal. And there's actually, I think it's Terhevondian in his uh, um, Arab Emirates book. He talks about what that might have looked like, or maybe it's somebody else. At this point, I can't really remember, but um, but yes, it's not so much about it's not it doesn't sound like it's by force as much as it's by um, uh, making deals and and really extending 
um, extending bagrated domains, um, which also included, and we have to talk about the Georgian Bagratids. So you also have this family, you know, in the, the Taik, uh, Tau region, um, up north that is, there's also kind of, they're also playing this, these games. Um, and, and then there are the Byzantines who, by the way, I blame really for the end of Ani. I think it was really the Byzantines really, Oh, now I'm back again. I don't know yeah. what that was. I, I think it's, it's the just, Byzantines. Yeah, it's the Byzantines. Don't worry about it. I think it's just a internet thing. And every time if yeah. it cuts off, we'll bring you back on. Don't worry, don't about, worry about it. it. It's yeah. Just, yeah, okay. It is what it is. So, um, uh, yeah. But, but anyway. Byzantine, uh, Byzantine mm-hmm. from, I mean, there was a lot of Armenian leaders in the Byzantine yeah. Empire. For I know. A little over 100 yeah. years, yeah. Yeah, it didn't really help, though, in yeah. a way. I yeah. mean, if you think about... Um, and there are all kinds of interesting stories in the Armenian sources um, about that relationship. But um, but in the end, you know, the the Byzantines basically just hijack, um, as far as I'm concerned, the um, the Bagratids and and really put a put an end to to that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so uh, I mean, if you if read again, Terhevonjan really is quite bitter about the Byzantines, and I understand <laughs> that. Um, yeah, that that you know, it's interesting. You think, oh, you know, these are are, are Christian people, Allies, yeah. so there should be this natural, you know, sort of fellow feeling. But in fact, it, it you know, it, it actually doesn't look yeah. like that. <laughs> I mean, it's so, frustrating when yeah. you when you learn about the, these events. It, it it really is frustrating because what could have been if they had actually supported, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to thank everybody who's joining us live on YouTube, Facebook, and X, uh, in the live chat, you guys can, uh, you know, talk among, amongst yourselves or ask any questions, feel free. Um, now you mentioned Ani, like the end of Ani, but let's talk about mm-hmm. the, you know, the beginning or, um, you yeah. know, it's usually referred as city of 1001 churches. Right. Can you paint a picture of Ani yeah. at, a, at oh. its zenith? Um, and sure. what made it such a vibrant place um, with, with yeah. the, uh, like the epicenter of the religion during the Baghdad yeah. dynasty? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think this is when we talk about Bagratids and their accomplishments. One thing that we can always say is that they, they centralize um, they make Ani the capital, um, the political seat, but they also make it the, the Catholicosal seat. So it centralizes, and that's something that's new that they do. Um, and it's really important that they that they create this one-stop shopping, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when you talk about a zenith, um, you probably know that beautiful uh, picture of Ani that uh, you can buy in the form of a tapestry or a towel or whatever. It's just, yeah, yeah it's lovely. And 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 maybe Ani in its um, zenith looked like that. I think we have we know it was. Um, there were a whole lot more churches than yeah. there now appear to be. We we know there were roads. We know there were walls. We know there were um, there were all kinds of red- residences and industrial production um, as well. Um, and uh, you know, so that you know, usually when people talk about the zenith, they're talking either about the Bagratid period or the 13th century under the Zakarians. Um, but I think it's really important to remember that Ani had a very, very, very long prehistory, probably going back to the Bronze Age. And this is um, 
this is something that's that that you will read often in passing but but what i've tried to do in my work is actually try to identify well what is it that we know that makes us think that and um you can do really interesting work with both the primary armenian primary sources going back to the 5th century as well as the archaeology but it's also very delicate because as you know the archaeology of ani is already a challenge because of the, the the what happened during the First World War with that archaeological excavation and its artifacts. Um, and so we almost can never talk about a specific stratigraphy where things are found and therefore can be dated. So we have we have coins. We have lots of coins in Yerevan in the historical museum. But the problem is you know, with coins and, and, and dating things at Ani is, well, where exactly were they found? It's not enough that they were just in the pocket of some laborer and then he's. I think I'm back now. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to go through this um, quite, okay. uh, quite a few yeah. times. It's okay. It's yeah, super quick. I don't know what yes. it's about. I'm, I'm not sure if it's me or not, but um, yeah. So, so there are issues, but, but what you get from, from kind of, uh, relentless research on this question of Ani and how old it is, which was really one of the questions I was addressing is that yeah. it is old, but it's, it doesn't seem to have been very thickly um, settled before the Bagratids. And um, they're the ones who really start to build it up. How much, so I think the question could be how, how much did they do between, let's say, their, when they got, let's say, with the citadel, let's say in the, um, you know, they were already there before uh, Ashat Muhammad's made it a capital. But what did they do from, let's say, the 960s to, um, you know, to 10, uh, you know, the 1040s, 1043, when the Byzantines annex it? And that's, I think, an interesting question. What did they do? What did it look like? Um, and uh, you can, I mean, certainly we know that Ashot immediately built walls, these walls of 961, these little walls, almost nothing is left. And then Sambat, the day Ashot dies, Sambat II is, is crowned king. And he starts, he's a complicated character. I, I, I mean, he's, he's an interesting read. If you look, you read the universal history of Sepona Saransi. Um, but then he founds the cathedral. He builds those, you know, the walls. And, and, you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of debate, well, about, okay, if he's building the walls to this greater extent, you know, roughly like tripling the size of the city, then what does that mean? Like, what does that mean in terms of how much is he um, kind of enclosing what a sort of, is, is it kind of defining an endpoint of yeah. buildings already there? Um, so these are really interesting questions. And uh, again, you have to sort of tease things out from sources. And, uh, but yeah. Have you, have you yeah. had a chance to, to go uh, back Mm -hmm. Ani recently, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. recently. Yeah, I was there this summer. I was there um, in um, June. I was there, and uh, there, yeah, it's it's um it's a work in progress. Um, it's you know the yeah. The reason I asked continuing you is, works. Uh, are you mm -hmm. getting some kind of uh, uh, resistance from the Turkish government being there, or did they like knowing uh, that you're Armenian? Yeah. You know, uh, mm -hmm. is, is yeah. there? Some kind of a, do you feel that, that negativity mm. or, you know? 
No, not so much, but I should make clear, I go with the World Monuments Fund. So I'm going, you know, with this group, um, okay. you know, and, and so, no, I, I, I haven't felt that. And, right. um, you know, I've been glad for that. I've been grateful for that. Um, and uh, in fact, I, there's a, a young um, student who um, is writing her, she's at, at a Turkish university and she's writing her thesis on Ani. She's an architect, I should say she's an architectural sort of, just looking really at the architectural things. And she's been, you know, incredibly helpful and, and we've sort of walked the city together, you know? Um, and so, no, I've, I, I, yeah, I think, you know, um, I would say that when, and we may have talked about this last time, but I would say the first few times I went to Ani and I went in the nineties, I mean, when I was too young to really know what I was looking at and I was very frightened because oh, I've sure. grown up in, you know, diaspora and fa- family. I'd never been, you know, anywhere really. And here I am in, um, you know, uh, a place that, uh, I could, I was scared about, um, not so much Ani, but just Turkey and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just so, um, so I was afraid. Um, but you know, at this point, yeah. Um, no, I, and now I've worked with the people that I've worked with over a long time. So it was fine. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it's, we, we keep talking about some of the architectural achievements that the Bakrada dynasty, I mean, you, you and I yeah. have covered this at yeah. length, you know, and we still yeah. have somewhere to mm-hmm. go. Um, yeah. and, and you talked about how, um, yeah, uh, having I, having the blips. I think it's every five minutes. Yeah, it's, it's every five minutes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally the snap that. of a finger. It's okay. Get, yeah, I'm not going to get paranoid about it. Don't worry no, about it. Don't worry about I, it. I think it's just an internet connection. Yeah. Might be dropping it, mm-hmm. so, but it brings it back mm-hmm. on. So don't worry about it. Show must yeah. go on. So you're fine. Yeah. 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 Um. So about okay. about some of the highlights. Let's talk about some of the highlights of of what those yeah. Bakradids um yep. achieved during their time. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah. some of the innovations of the area, particularly in Yeah. Sure. I mean, the cathedral is the big one and the cathedral for me, you know, I just, I know we talked about this last time, but you know, and I think as Armenians, you, you think, you know, things about the past and about, you know, these celebrated monuments, but you don't know until you know, every stone and every grain of every stone. And that's what I've been doing with Ani Cathedral over the years. And, um, I learn something new every single time I look at it, something new. And I don't mean something small or something kind of just whimsical. I mean something real. Like there are there are carvings, incisions in the stone walls that are um, not accidents and not graffiti, but are actually diagrams of, of building and stone cutting, what's called stereotonomy, I think. But um, so there's there's so much. So the cathedral bears on its walls just a, a whole history of craftsmanship that has a story that yet has yet to be told. Um, the cathedral is a, the more I think about it, and, you know, I have to say, you know, I had written about the cathedral a lot, but what was really interesting for me was doing all the historical research I did about the Bagratids this summer and thinking about the kind of the messages um, of this, you know, the period of the Abbasid Caliphate, uh, sort of on the eve of the the the, the Bagratids' ascendance to royalty, and um, 
I'm thinking about the cathedral in a new way. Um, I think about the ways in which, you know, when I talk about the cathedral, you know, we, we, we can think about like this big blocky building with those arcades running around the walls. Right. And, and this in the dome and it's so carefully made. But when you think about this being built uh, in a, in a climate of real turmoil, I mean, we forget that because when we think of the Bagratids and we think of like these, this, this wonderful idea of, oh, this beautiful city, golden city, uh, you know, in the sky. But, but we have to remember that it's, I, I'm no, I don't see it as a reflection necessary, necessarily of just peace, prosperity, everything's fine. I think of it as a direct statement that this is what we want. We want to create unity. We, we want we don't have it. We're trying to create it. And we're going to show that. We're going to project that in our buildings. And so, for example, you know, during the time of Ashat Vohormad's, I mean, just before the cathedral's built, there's this big discussion about Catholicoi and the election of Catholicoi. How do we do it? What's the best way? Like big problems and questions were being raised. And so um, not to mention the kind of dissent and the and the and 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 problems with the various um, Islamic groups all around, and so when you think, and then you think about well, what are the Bagratids doing, and you get this beautiful calm building with arcades that seem to really focus on unity, uniting of parts, and that I think is such a kind of a poignant visual and structural message at a time of this tremendous fragmentation. And, 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 and a, again, a kind of pointed attempt to create order, to create unity yeah. when, you know, you, that's what you're aspiring towards. Yes. So I think that, you know, Ani Cathedral is, a, is, a, is just a tremendous example of that. And I will say, of course, the other beautiful, important church. It's funny. It, as soon as I, like, I'm about to say something important, it cuts out. Yeah. But, um. <laughs> But the other one is is the Church of Gagkashan, right? Yeah. The, the church that is like Zvartnots. And, and there, you know, I think we get the sense of the Bagratids being very clear about their claim on the past, yeah. their claim on the sacred center of Etchmiadzin, and their claim on a kind of intellectual capital through this extraordinary technology of that domed building. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot I could, more I could say, and I've really just spoken about patronage, but these buildings are, I mean, they're they just, story, uh, right? Behind. I mean, oh, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's funny. I was in Armenia um, this summer and um, I got to go to see a lot of churches. And when I was in Hachbat and I went to the Hachbat mm. monastery, yeah. you, you talked about those inscriptions in the walls, right? I mean, yeah. I could have spent months there trying to read those yeah. and figure them out, but it's, yeah. and everything yeah. tells a story. And like you said, they were trying to get a message across, like the unity yes. and, and that turmoil you're talking about. I mean, even with uh, Sambat the Second, when we talked about last week, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was what, king for 20 years? He had a lot to do, and he it was like almost like let's get mm-hmm. this done, let's get this done, yeah. we gotta get it going. And because yeah, and was, you had so yeah. many other little constant kingdoms, damage constant, control, you know, yeah, yeah. and, and oh, yeah. it was internal constant and external. Absolutely, I I think you know he gets a bad rap in Asolhik, like yeah. for being you know he because he breaks this vow, um, but 
you know, I mean, look, yes, it's bad to do that. But at the same time, he's also trying to to keep this kingdom afloat. Yeah. And I mean, I don't condone some of the other things he did. Yeah, Let's of course. Just, of I course, won't go. Yeah. His children are, might be listening. But um but you know, uh, it, this was this is a period of just betrayal after betrayal, and um, so he did. He just what he did accomplish was amazing, and I have to say, his uh, um, his sister in law Katramide also did amazing things with um, the, the completing the cathedral mm-hmm. and then the the move the transfer of the relics if you if you follow uh Vardan Aravel That's C, our next episode that's I think what we're yeah. going to be covering. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Because I think it's also again, I think this is part of a, a a kind of a centralization where they're going to kind of re they're going to to kind of um capture, you know, this sort of sacred center some of the aspects of Etchmiadzin right there at, at Inani. Yeah. And, you know, the Zvartnots building is part of that. Those relics is, are part of that. And um, and so, yeah, I think that was... It's funny. We, was we always make a joke about, uh, you know, we have a hard time with pronouncing the names correctly. But you mm-hmm. said Katranide, right? Yeah. 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 We were saying Katranid. Katranid. Well... You know, it, it, it's it's an interesting name, yeah, because it's sometimes also Katramide in the sources. So Katramide with an with, a, with an M, M, as opposed to Katramide. It's yeah, already it's you know, and this is in the sources. Oh. This is, in fact, um, I forget. Is someone may be able to, but it's yeah, it's written one way, like on the inscription on uh-huh. Ani Cathedral, and then another way in Asohik. So, um, in you know, in the various manuscripts that that produced. The critical edition yeah. of Oswald Hicks. So, yeah. So she's she she already has uh, trouble with her name just in terms of how it's spelled. But, um, but she's a very interesting character, and I have been thinking a lot about her, and I've been thinking a lot about her supposed tomb east of the cathedral. Yeah. And um, so there's a lot of really interesting work to be done thinking about about her. You know, yeah. we we've. We've talked about this before. We both feel that, you know, we've had, yeah, we've had great kings, but we've had some more powerful, amazing queens, women in throughout mm-hmm. history. And I feel yeah. like there, there isn't enough. Uh, it seems more behind the you scenes. Know, yeah. Uh, well, we, we, we lost her. Let's see if she'll come back on. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know internet situation oh, there, there we go is. yeah i just we're came back, back. Yeah, yeah i lost back. okay yeah. what was there not well, enough of who i was oh. saying is like there, we feel like there's not enough stories told about these women and yeah. the great yeah. things they've achieved um for example i know yeah. people talk about kink pop right you go back kink pop mm-hmm. and and you know kink pop's reign was very yeah. short amount but and his mother but, but they don't talk yeah. about a mother and and what was no. it 19 months in the no. uh, stuck in the uh no. you know, uh, the fortress and like yeah. those are right. things that need to be talked about more in detail to that. Absolutely. These women did amazing. So it wasn't just the Kings behind the Kings. There were these amazing Queens that yes. of course there were made decisions. Yes. You know, they, they oh, were yeah. the ones going to their husband saying, Hey, you know, this is not oh, a absolutely. good idea. So, um, I mean, and I'm it's... hoping somebody brings these more to light, you know, these stories. Yeah. 
I think that's happening, and I think it will happen more and more with just you know the, the rise of people being interested in yeah. in in women generally. But you know, behind me, I have my Hagagan Soviet Hagagan Hanrakidaran, so this Soviet encyclopedia, twelve volumes. Do you think there's Katrani Day in there? No. No. And I was going to ask no. you. I wanted to ask you next. Is just like how much information is really out there, um, <laughs> especially. Okay. Let's, let's, yeah. let's just let's just kind of stick to yeah. this time period, right? Like, how much information yeah, is there yeah. about the women about, in the uh, yep. you know okay. Ashakuni and the Bagratuni time era and so on and so forth? Yeah. So for the Bagratunis, this is it's fascinating because I think first of all, the easy answer is, well, you know, we don't know a lot about them. Uh, so, uh, but. But that's not, that is the easy and lazy answer. Um, in fact, we do. We, you just have to keep your eyes open when you're reading sources. Sometimes women won't even be named, you know, in source in these Armenian sources. Like a woman went, you know, to the with the with the troops and and mediated with this, you know, I don't know the yeah. caliph, something like that. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you, this is something that I became interested in last year because I was looking at. And you're going to, this may be a real snooze for listeners, but I was looking at these inscriptions of the Bagratids about tax exemptions. And they make these, um, so if you look at, so I'm interested in like, okay, you have these 7th century Armenian churches, Muren, um, Alaman is another one, in Shirak, um, there are many. And um, some of them are standing, some of them are no longer standing. But, um, but we have the inscriptions in any way recorded. Takor is another one. Bagratid inscriptions. Yereruk is another. And what these inscriptions are mostly are, as I said, are, are the, the, um, the lifting of, of um, taxes on a particular place. And these are done by the Bagratid. So, so they're carving into these seventh century walls and saying, you know, in the time of Ashrod, I, blah, blah. But what's interesting, the reason I bring it up is that most often it's the Bagratid women who are making, who are doing these things. Yeah. They're the ones who are doing these tax exemptions. So we have Sopi, who was I, the daughter, if I remember, get my, my um, kings right, the daughter of Ashrod Vohormad, Sopi, Sophia, who writes her name at Muren, and she allows for a donation of a vineyard by a certain David. <clears throat> we have um, Katramide shows up at Tekor, along with her mother-in-law, Khosrovanush, who was involved in the building at Hachpat Sanahin, mm-hmm. right? Built the, right? So it's really, so you get this kind of intergenerational Khosrovanush, it seems like imposed a tax at Tekor, but then Katramide seems to lift it um, on, and she, you know, so it's, there's this so is, much interesting. So interesting. And then, it, yeah, and then at Alaman, this is a great example. Unfortunately, this church was destroyed, um, but it was in the Shirak region, this petite church. Um, but it had, so this, it, had, it was a seventh century church. It was carved with one of these beautiful wraparound inscriptions that named the, um, the patron and his wife, um, Helene. And then, um, and then you have a series. Uh-oh. Oh, yep. I'm back. You're back. Okay. All right. Um, and then you have a series of Bagratid women who, um, who are, you know, writing on different parts of the church and um, sometimes right above each other, you know? So there's a, 
there's there's a there's um there's one Hosrovanush, which we think was actually an eleventh century Hosrovanush. Um and then there are two others. I think Sopi appears again there. So um there's plenty. It's just not maybe where you might expect it. Uh and um and it needs to be kind of teased out. But I have a theory, like I think that Okay, so I'll just say one more thing, and that is that if you read Asochik, you can see how Kachramide might have been one of the potential uh, people who was reading it or read to. Um, I think there are ways in which she would have really been amused at some of the stories that are told in the universal history. It's just a, an idle theory, but, you know, it was um, the, the patron of Asochik, of the universal history, was Sarkis, the Catholicos Sarkis, who partnered with Katramide in building the cathedral, completing the cathedral. Yeah. So it's not so far flung. But yes, the women are there, particularly Baggertids. Um, it's just a question of kind of um, being sensitive to the sources and being generous with the sources. Because, you know, I think one thing we've learned um, in this social justice moment is that there are debts to pay. And, you know, when you think about the fact that women have been written out so much of histories, we must do everything we can to, to undo that. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that, that Armenian Soviet encyclopedia is a great example. You'll find every single Bagratid yeah. male king, but you don't find Katramide who actually built the Cathedral of yeah. Ani. So, well, um, yeah. Think of it like this. If, if we were to do, uh, let's say, a, a mini-series about uh, Katranide and, and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. how can you, or let's say the Bagratids, how can you just show the men, the kings and this and that, the women right. always, and any historical movie you watch or series or anything of that sort, it, they, they always highlight the women because, it, it, I mean, it's just like any marriage, yeah. right? A, a woman is part of the marriage. They have a big role yeah, in that. So. And yeah. we need to make sure that we bring these women back into our history and the role they play. Yeah. It's very important. Um, Especially yeah. when they're kind yeah. of levying taxes and taking away taxes. Right. You know? I mean, That's kind of an important yes. thing. <laughs> exactly. Mean, not that I'm solely limiting the them to that, but, you know. Yeah. No, they're not just like weaving yeah. tapestries in like no. a corner. Um, yeah. And although that's really important too, and Kachamide actually... Um, donates these, uh, you know, according to Asahik, these incredible uh, weavings. Um, there's a lot we can learn from that. But, but yes, they are, you know, they are controlling essentially if we follow the inscriptions. And why should we not? You know, this is again where we get into our own heads a little bit about what we expect women to do or not do. If we take these texts at face value, then we can say that these women are essentially controlling the economy of these, re- these regions. And um and and that's that's very radical that's, in some ways. Yeah. Power, powerful position to be in. I want to thank again yeah. everybody who's joining us live on YouTube and Facebook and X. Um, now I know you talked about the Cathedral of Ani, but you know a mm-hmm. lot of historians and travelers have gone back and forth through that area and have marveled the, at the beauty of the churches and the structures. Yeah. Besides the the cathedral, is there anything that stands out to you mm-hmm. that's what would be oh. one of your best like favorite structures? I have so many. Um, I have a weird fascination for the quote unquote fire temple, which you probably know. It's this basically is just four big cylinders of uh, basalt, and um, 
they're they're the weird. It's the weirdest thing. It's easy to miss if you go to Ani. Um, but they the the thinking is that this is a fire temple. There's I could talk. We could spend a whole other hour on that. Hey, we're back. Uh, we don't have audio. Oh. Um, you, I, we can't hear you. Can you hear us? You want to go out and come back real quick? Yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna log out and log back in and try it again, something might have happened with the computer. Then we can't hear. Yeah. I think it's her an internet the connection. The connection is, is yeah. seems like it's good though. Yeah, let me remove her and we'll have her back guys. So, uh, we're having a very interesting conversation with Christina Maranci and we're having some internet issues as usual, there but go. there he is. She's back. Uh, there, there you are. Go. Awesome. Hi. Okay. Yeah, Hi. I think what it is okay. is uh, I again, uh, technically I, I think it's just the internet might be dropping every yeah. time it does that disconnect but don't worry yeah. about it. We're going to get through this. Yeah. But yeah, the, okay. so you're saying the fire temple, you were talking about the fire yes. temple. Yes. The fire temple, um the yeah, I'll just say quote unquote. We don't know. There's a lot of debate over what it was, but what we do know uh-huh. is that it was converted into a church. Okay. And um this is really interesting and I am I'm building a theory um, about Ani um, that actually has to do with a confusion in the sources about this Ani and the other Ani, the one in that's sometimes called, um, um, well, it's, it's in Yerzinga, um, and it was the Ani... Not Ani Kamach, Ani Kamach, mm-hmm. and this was this is was a cult site. Um, it was it's talked about in Paustos um, in Horanatsi and Agatangelos as being a cult site. It's where these you know demonic idols were. It's where um, you know the the kings, um, some some royal kings were buried. It was much more important than Ani and Shirak and. I have this theory, totally half-baked right now, but I'm baking it, that, and, and, and this is partly because of the way the primary sources work. Sometimes they meant a lot, and like, you know, various very worthy scholars will say, well, obviously this person's confusing this on me and that on me, and then they just drop it. But I think that's actually really important. And I think that Ani in Shirak came to mean to have some of those... Um, resonances of the the other ani because a lot of sources don't say oh i mean ani in kamach not ani in shirak yeah yeah. and and with that then comes a whole pre-christian layer of kind of paganism that i think was transferred to um to ani and i think and also that ani and kamach was where gregory and terdat um if i'm not wrong did um built their churches. So I think that's, it's a total, you know, it's a thin theory right now, but I think that's why there are so many St. Gregory churches at Ani. That's true. I mean, if you think about it, it's a very interesting theory. 
Yeah. And I think that's why, I mean, when, with the fire temple, I think that's, you know, this conversion of the fire temple into a church. And you read about how Gregory and Trodat, you know, they, they destroy the fire temples and they raise a cross on top. And in fact, there was, uh, we know from the fire temple across one of those, um, kind of, um, those, those, the early, before Khachkars, you have these kind of really interesting steely crosses. Yeah, and one of yeah, those was inside thin, right? the fire yeah. temple. Yeah. yeah. One of those was in the fire temple. We know this from archaeology. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, I don't know. It's just a theory, but I'm going to, you know, be pursuing it. Fire temple. I'm going to look into this. How far back does that date? Do you, I mean, I, I know it might be kind of a really um, primitive question, but I'm curious, like, how far back that was mm-hmm. built? Do you guys... Is there any information on that? Yeah. Um, so you can do, you know, the difficult thing is comparisons with that thing. Um, so the basic form, which is just four big columns, is, um, is you know, it could be a, a, a tomb. It could actually be a tomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have tombs like that in Roman Syria. Um, but as a fire temple... It's very small, first of all. Yeah. So there are not many fire temples that are literally this thing. If you go and see it in Ani, I mean, you could almost reach your hand out and reach the next column. So in terms of it's not very um, practical as a fire mm-hmm. temple where yeah. you want to shelter that sacred fire in the center. Yeah. But um, so so this is this is a problem. And then the weird the very weird thing about it in terms of comparisons is the way these columns are constructed they are not constructed as uh, as kind of like if you imagine cake like cylinders, cut cylinders, mm-hmm. place you know like how you imagine a column to be built. They're pie shaped, so you've got wedges. It's the, it's the most if you want to create a column, it's the most complicated way to do it. They've created uh, pieces of a pie like wedge shaped blocks and arranged them into column forms. It's I mean. It's just, it has nothing to do with Armenian wow. medieval architectural construction method. Um, so just even fi- finding co- um, comparands for this is really hard to do. So I guess, I mean, this almost kind of segues into my next question would be, you know, obviously Ani, the location of Ani that we're talking about in the, in the time era that we are, uh, pre-Bakrani mm-hmm. must have had some sort of rich history to it as well. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. For, for such yeah. architectural sites, even on this smaller scale to be built, right? And maybe yeah. remained out of respect of, mm-hmm. of let's say, people practicing sure. whatever they wanted to practice in the, in, you know, mm-hmm. in the city or around the city. Um, can you mm-hmm. maybe talk about yeah. some of that? Yeah, sure. I mean, this, so there are some really interesting things to say about this. Um, the first thing is that if you want to collect all the data on pre-Bagratid Ani, you have to work across so many different kinds of um, uh, um, sort of scholarly resources. Mm-hmm. So there's there are things like Nersa Sarkisian, some of these older, you know, 19th or early 20th century um, uh, accounts of, of Ani and what was there. And that's where we can sometimes find very good information on inscriptions. Um, but then you also have Turkish archaeologists. Um, and that material, which is which is very thin, often it, the documentation is very thin. Um, but there's some interesting stuff that needs to be collated with what we know, you know, as sort of traditional Armenian architectural scholarship, and isn't often collated. I'll give you one example. 
in the valley um, to the to the uh, west of Ani, the Zachotzkatzor Valley, the Valley of the Flowers, um, just, you know, not the Ahurean Riverside, the other side, there was apparently a Bronze Age cemetery of considerable size and even with visible tombs. And this was studied by, um, in the mid 20th century, by Turkish archaeologists. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's difficult to work with this scholarship because it's, um, you know, it does, it's not very detailed, but it gives you a sense that when the Bagratids arrived at Ani, they might've been looking at a much richer um, place than we had imagined. Um, moving, and then you get into this kind of, there's, there are all these interesting things that were found in caves, like a, um, a silver, well, like, like, well, coins for one, just a very few coins from the ancient period, just a few, maybe five that we know of. Um, and then things like um, figurines or some crazy stuff. Sometimes we only know it from a footnote that someone's mentioned. Like, um, but it's very hard to deal with that material because we don't know precisely the find spot. These were fortuitous finds that were often just picked up, given to the hermitage in the early 20th century. And so who knows, you know, and so that's where we get into, well, how can we even use this to understand um, a layer of occupation at Ani? Having said that, you know, I think there's enough evidence from things like Fifth century Armenian sources, Ghazar Parpetsi and others, um, if used carefully, we can see there, there was stuff there. The citadel is, you know, a probable place for, oh, and then I forgot to mention, I'll just say this. Um, we have the, cycle, the masonry the, with the swallowed tail clamp holes, which is a non-medieval Armenian form of masonry. So this is dry masonry big blocks that were connected to each other with lead or iron clamps. And that's a type you see going back to the Hellenistic period. That's okay. not a medieval. And so we can't precisely date it, but that those stones are reused in the citadel. They're not in their original place because the, the holes are not aligned one to the other. But that demonstrates for me, you know, pretty much irrefutably, unless someone hauled them to the site that um that the citadel is has this uh, much older past and we see similar masonry at nearby bagaran and and other places so that's interesting so it's it's kind of like they may have according to what you're saying or what what has been found they may have kind of mm -hmm. repurposed a lot of these yeah. buildings yes. and then expanded yes. upon them of course um yeah from what we've talked mm -hmm. about as well yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm really interested in that and what Bagrichids might've told each other and themselves, um, about this past. Like what was, what was the past? Yeah, we haven't they really, had a past too. <laughs> yeah. We haven't really ever discussed like what was going on in that portion, let's say fifth, sixth century. We kind of come across it with, well, with like the linear yeah. historical yeah, timeline, like right? We went through this, we went through this, we went through this and then boom, Ani. Cool. Citadel. And then, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. it's, I'm curious. It's like, what like, were the Bagrat's doing? What's going on? Well what happened before, there before? You know, because yeah, every, yeah. everywhere had something, yeah. some sort of yeah. history. We, yeah, there, there's a little dis snippet of information. Um, and I'm forgetting where it is, what, what pri Armenian primary source it is, but it's basically says that. 
before um, Ashat Vohormad's, um, there had been a raid on this on um, Ani. It doesn't actually, I think, say citadel. It might say like bodies or something like that, like some walls. And they took stuff. And it's not even clear like what they took, but um, but it suggests that 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 possibly that the citadel was a place where they were storing things. It doesn't say like you know cons or like treasure, but it's mm-hmm. like other stuff. So it's not it's not clear from that. But I have a whole lecture online that I did about the citadel because I was just really curious about sort of where did the Bagratids eat and bathe and sleep and like make plans for their city. And actually, I think that one of the ways to think about the cathedral is very much from the citadel, that that was an important view, viewing line to the citadel. And for me, it makes sense of the kind of the great unusual breadth of the, of the cathedral. And you think about it, like, if you're up there, next time you're there, go up to the citadel and just look down and you get this really kind of satisfying view or prospect, I would say, of, of the cathedral. Yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was able to see some amazing, uh, uh, I mean, they had built these, there were sections in the church you would go into and they had these holes in the grounds where they kept their wine, their food, their grain, and the way everything was positioned, yeah. mm-hmm. like the way the light would come through, like it's, it's fascinating what that was put behind. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. stone was there for a reason. Mm-hmm. That's how they built yes. it. And yes. like I said, there's still so much footage I have I haven't shared yet, which I, I will soon (laughs) um working on it working on it um now you know since since the fourth century obviously christianity came into armenia uh and uh, we we you know and it evolved throughout the centuries uh Mm -hmm. one of the things like during the Baghdad period how did christianity Mm -hmm. evolve and Mm -hmm. what type of um influence do you see in the designs and Mm -hmm. architecture of of, during the Baghdad? period. Yeah. So for me, again, thinking about the fact that you have, um, you have issues of succession in the Catholicate at the time of, um, of, uh, Ashat Bohormaz, um, you, and, and how Catholicoi are elected, um, you know, and you have also, remember, this is also the period of the Tondrakian heresy, Right. So there, there are, there are heresies that are kind of, or what, and I don't think that's a, maybe a very polite way of saying it now, but you have <laughs> alternate views on uh, Christianity mm-hmm. emerging at that time um, that are, that are kind of erupting on Armenian soil. Um, and uh, you have, so you, you have, you have to think, I think you have to think about Ani Cathedral um, as again being a a means to create order. Now think about this: the fact that the apse has all those very carefully carved niched seats. So when you go into the apse and you look, you'll see it has these. It's, it's like it's very clear. Like yours, you sit there, you sit there, and you sit there. Mm-hmm. It's really creating this order, and I think that's something that we need to to remember. And then on top of that, we have to remember that it's during this period, late 10th, early 11th century, as much as we can tell, that we have the uh, mashdots. We have our, our, I think, two manuscripts that we believe were made in um, in, Bagrat, in the Bagratid, perhaps Ani, you know. And so, but the mashdots, again, this is a codification of ritual. 
And so this is this is how these things are meant to be done. And um, and so I think this idea of codification of creating order can be, um, you know, really um, sort of localized to to Ani, to the Bagratids and even to the very to the cathedral. Yeah. That's I mean, we're touching on something besides the architectural impact, right? Like this, the, your, a lot of these manuscripts yeah. lead to a lot of what socioeconomical um, structure or hierarchy um, that may have either been what protected or developed during this time, right? Um, do you want to maybe shed <laughs> some light, some more light on anything other than the manuscripts that may have led to um, mm. more, I guess, mm. information about this? Yeah. Mm. I'm just thinking, I'll give you one example. Um, Besides the religious aspect of things, of course. Yeah. Um, well, I can give you the best example would be, I think it's right behind me. Um, this book, well, this is Tim Greenwood's translation of the universal history. It's probably mm-hmm. backwards. I don't even know. Anyway, it's Asolhik. And Asolhik is, um, this is a, a history in three parts mm-hmm. that was commissioned by Sarkis Catholicos, Sevansi, Sarkis Sevansi. In the um, in the late 10th century or early early 11th century, it would have been around there. And this is meant to organize history. And the first the first book, it's in three books. The first book is is the ancient period, and then it moves up to um, you know to the medieval, and then it gets to his time, the you know the time of the the author. Um, this isn't just a kind of chronicle or a narration. It's an attempt to order the past. He's not just kind of telling stories, this happened and this happened. He's actually calculating the specific date um, that Christ was crucified. He's doing this calendrical calculation. So this is a kind of, um, I think this approach to to history that we see of Asolhik is this, this kind of, this incredibly precise, this emphasis on precision, it's the same thing we see at the cathedral. And if you look at the cathedral and you think about it, not just as a work of engineering and a work of kind of incredibly careful design, but also if you look at the inscription that contains at least six different chronologies, it gives you the date of the um, date by the date, the year of the Armenians, by the year of the Romans, by another uh very difficult to parse date someone else. And then it gives you three more at the end. And this is, it's just this, this tremendous, I think the sort of the way of thinking at this intellectual elite level was of, of kind of creating um, precise information and doing that in all different ways. But this way, which is really about history writing, I think is really important and kind of gives us a way to think about the cathedral and and life and just kind of knowledge production now is in that a different in, way. Is that book in English or is it? Yeah, this isn't. This is the English translation of um, of uh, the um, you know the Asolhik that the critical edition of Asolhik. And what is the book? Which called? should be available. What? It's called the Universal History of Stepanos Taronetsi. Okay, we gotta uh, we gotta definitely yeah. get that. I I mean, I have yeah, so many books yeah, it's great. I highly recommend it. It's yeah. good reading. Okay. You read about all okay. the bad things about the yeah. second day. Too. Well, I think the biggest thing, yeah. the the issue we've we've come across is especially like like you said, like Asolik, somebody has to translate it 
the right way, you know, and for mm -hmm. it to make sense. And we don't have that many books from Armenian history that are translated. I mean, even yeah. in Armenia, there's amazing uh, books written by historians. There's no translation. I know. And, and this well, is another thing we need to work on is for the world to be able, yeah. you know, again, English is the yeah. primary language universal, right? So we need yeah. to bring more of these books to the forefront. Well, well especially, especially Absolutely. if you have so many Armenians that have assimilated and, and adapted to the English oh, language yeah. abroad, right? Yeah. You want to reach that audience. Yes. Yeah. You want and, to take that text yeah. and reach that audience. No matter our what. audience. Of course, yeah. Absolutely. Like 30 to 40% of Absolutely. our audience are either non-Armenian, non-speaking Armenians yeah. or they're mm -hmm. not Armenian. Yeah. They're just interested in our history. Uh, and you know, and they'll reach out to us and say, Hey, where can we learn more about mm -hmm. this? And, We're like, well, you yeah. can get this book, that could, but there are some, like you said, now I'm interested. I want to get that book to, you know, because mm -hmm. it's also week and we talk about also week so much mm -hmm. through this period that we're going yeah. through. Um, you know, considering the geopolitical, like the significance of where Ani was located, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you had the Byzantine and you had the Abbasid, yeah. um, like, do you see any influence of those empires in the architectural and, and, and art of during that period? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. It's obviously a question I've, I've, I have thought about. Um, you, we can immediately name Todat, of course, who goes to the Hagia Sophia and, um, and then repairs the Hagia Sophia after the earthquake. And I've, I've written about that and I, you know, I do think that there, there's something really interesting in terms of the, um, the, in, if you take like Ani Cathedral and you compare it to Muren, seventh century Dome Basilica, you can see that Ani Cathedral is, is, um, in many ways borrowing the same layout as Muren, but has enlarged the dome space. Same with, um, the comparison of Gagkashen and Zvartnots. Yes, they are almost identical but the domed space is larger. And uh, my, my theory is that, you know, this is, this is, um, may well have to do with Stradot's experience working under the largest domed space yet built at Hagia Sophia. You know, I mean, I can't imagine as a builder that you wouldn't be affected by, um, being in that space, being on, on mm. scaffolding in the very top of the dome of the Hagia Sophia. So, So there is, there is that. Um, at the same time, what Terdot does at Ani Cathedral is sort of, to me, it's, it insists on a sort of distinctiveness. And it's so, for me, connected to, um, to the 7th century churches of Armenia. I mean, that seems to me. But, but at the same time, I think he's, he's doing something that is um, really sort of Um, it's innovative. It's, it's for some scholars, they think he's looking back to classical tradition. Um, there are a lot of different ways we can, we can talk about Anikli. But in terms of Byzantine or Abbasid um, connections, you know, um, Abbasid, for me, the Bagratids were, were at times very like, connected to the Abbasids and had, you know, we know they had, um, uh, like, we, they had, like, um, Uh, what's the word, like a, they had seals with their names in Arabic. We know that Hovena Sambat, the last of the, of the Bagratuni kings, um, had, you know, had Arabic titles and they were on his um, Tiraz bands and things. We know that stuff, but as how it necessarily impacts and informs the, the, um, the built culture of Ani, um, you know, I don't know. 
I actually think there are more interesting connections probably to be made with um, with the architecture of the Georgian Bagratids in um, Taik Tau region. I think that's probably um, a more, uh, that to me feels more, um, that feels closer, but um, yeah. But it's, but the problem is, of course, that when we talk about Ani Cathedral or Gakashen, what we don't know, particularly with Gakashen, but Ani Cathedral, we don't know we only know half of it because mm-hmm. all of the textiles, all of the, all of the kind of the liturgical vessels, um, the priest vestments, the, the song, you know, we don't know the living part of the cathedral. We're looking at the skeleton. Yeah. And so it's very, so you always have to kind of think of that when you, when you make these comparisons that, you know, okay, what am I comparing exactly given the fact that, this is not in any way kind of a, it wouldn't have been the lived experience, let's say, of a bagratid. Um, it's just kind of a, yeah, like bones, really. Well, I know, I know they always, uh, what was it you said the first time we spoke? Um, I think it's kind of stuck with me. I don't remember exactly the same words, but you said something about, you know, you're letting the architecture basically tell you the story, right? You said something yeah. like that. I yeah. forgot yeah, yeah. you worded it, if it was good. Yeah. I'm like, I'm keeping that. I'm keeping it. <laughs> okay. That. Yeah. I, yeah. But, yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but I guess I get stuck with this question. Um, is the fall of the Bakrdid dynasty. Um, mm-hmm. What yeah. What kind of led to all of this, right? How did mm-hmm. everything kind of unfold for it to go to the yeah. wayside, I guess? Yeah, well, I mean, what you what uh, you first one first has to point to is the fact that as good as as Ashot Vohormats was, he also like gave his you know family members bits of his kingdom, mm-hmm. and that already you know so as much as we just talked about unity and centrality that that he did that, and so we have the kingdoms of Lori Tashir, the kingdom of Kars, and so forth. So that was already a problem, but um, but I think the 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 nail in the coffin again was um, Byzantine expansion into the territory, and that really um, through a variety of what were seemingly pretty humiliating um, circumstances um, for Gagik. Um, and uh, and then Hovana Sambat. I think that it was the Byzantines making deals mm-hmm. um essentially against the Bagratids that um that you know I mean I am not you know I'm an art historian but just like taking the temperature of this material it seems like that's really that was the problem. And then and then of course just a few decades later you have um the Seljuks. So the Byzantines didn't even hang on for it. Yeah. And so the deal the deal that um the last Bagratid ruler made with um with the Byzantines, which was basically we'll we'll you know we'll give you some land you know farther west in the end you know didn't matter um i mean the you know the elites went to Kilikia you know anyway um and uh yeah there there were some there were Armenians in Cappadocia but but um yeah, but so I think really it was those two things. It was the it was the kind of um, really the dividing up of the lands, um, and it was the Byzantines. But then of course there's just the the problem that we're dealing with this just the turmoil of oh yeah you know of the era and the kind of the constant the relentless invasions and the 
you know, I mean, it's just caliphates. Well, it's, even even the caliphate. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. We, yeah, we were even we've even talked yeah. br- or briefly mentioned yeah. about how the caliphate even had its own I mean, internal just strife. Alone, oh yeah, you know, you know like Yusuf yeah, alone, well, start stemming from that. Yes, yeah. you know, exactly. All the exactly. way forward, and, and you know, and I'm sure yeah. they're touching on the Byzantines. They've they weren't making any selfless deals. Yeah. Right. So yeah. no. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really, and then you have this rebellion of Babak in um, 818 yeah. where basically you have all these groups who kind of go against the caliphate. And, and so then you're really creating this incredibly complicated geopolitical space. One interesting thing, speaking of women that comes out is uh, the amount of, of interesting intermarrying with either like, you know, the Yusuf kind of clan, you know, those yeah. the So there's a lot of really interesting ways in which women play a role as, um, you know, as mediating on in that elite kind of um, sphere as wives, um, which in some ways is a more traditional uh, way for them to be acting as opposed to levying taxes, you could say. But Which which also we know yeah. continued quite a bit, even during the Gilikia era, with a lot of the yeah. Templars and, the, and yeah. the Knights' orders that were going yeah. in and yes. out of the area, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, uh, it, yeah. it, it, it's a fascinating period throughout through Armenian history just even world history yeah well world Mm -hmm. history I mean that's where um, everything was happening mostly so uh and we love it I mean like I said we still have a another three four episodes to go through to to the Mm -hmm. end but uh you know we we highly recommend everybody to to read books about this period listen to our previous episodes and uh Definitely, um, you learn a lot. You learn a lot, and and as frustrating as it is, <laughs> very to to some of the things that were done, the decisions made, and uh, which kind of <laughs> you feel like it's almost happening today, but mm-hmm. you know, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. But uh, yeah, again, great great time to learn about our history. Yeah. Um, now the the last question I wanted to ask you is, you know, uh, obviously modern times a lot of the monuments of the, the Bagratid era in ani are you know they they face natural you know threats mm-hmm. from weather earthquakes things like that plus human intervention right yes um yes since you've been there many times now can you kind of mm-hmm. talk about what's taking place to preserve these monuments to make mm-hmm. sure that yeah. especially human yeah. intervention doesn't damage yeah. them yeah absolutely so I've, you know, been going to Ani, as I said, from, from starting in the 1990s. And I go, I've go, gone maybe in the past two decades with World Monuments Fund often being along. And they're um, tasked, they, they listed Ani on their watch list already in the 1990s, but they're tasked with making sure that work at the site is done in the most professional way, according to the highest international standards. That means, and I've been uh, in on all the meetings, um, that means dealing with sometimes, you know, difficult situations, whether it's about diplomacy or whether it's about, you know, um, labor at the site, this isn't easy. So, um, you know, I think the best thing that the listeners can do is, to, to go to the worldmonumentsfund.org website to learn about what World Monuments Fund is doing at Ani and also at Moran. Um, and uh, having just gone with them, like in June, um, I can say that work is going on. There's work at the cathedral 
um, which is being done. If you go now to the cathedral, you'll see it's basically in scaffolding. The east and west sides are all scaffolding. There's in, inside there's scaffolding too. Not great for taking uh, pictures, but unless you get to go on the scaffolding and then you get to take pictures of the walls and work, yeah. look at all the carvings, which is great. But um, but but that work is going on, and and it isn't easy because of the structures in place, the fact that we're dealing with the Turkish Ministry of Culture and Tourism and the fact that they are dealing with a kind of system of, um, and your, your listeners will know this, but they're dealing with a system of bids, like by contractors, there are certain rules. I mean, it's none of this makes it easy for the buildings, you know, to do their job, which is to stand up. Mm-hmm. But what I do you know, what I try to do as a scholar is always say, look, this is historically, you know, correct. Don't do this. This is a bad idea. You know, I make my recommendations. So when I go with them, I don't just, you know, I don't just sit around. I, I, I'm involved and I, um, I take pictures, I take notes, and then I come up with a report and that report kind of outlines, okay, um, you know, in terms of not just in terms of uh, the construction or the reconstruction, because there's only there are engineers who do that work and they're I've been working with them forever. But also in terms of things like signboards, you know, um, the, the kinds of the ways that public information is is produced. We know that's been a terrible problem at Ani in the past um, and continues to be and needs to be fixed. So. There are all kinds of ways that um, that I try to to assist, um, and I try to do that in a way that best serves the Armenian heritage at the mm-hmm. site, because that's obviously what I'm interested in. And so, yeah, um, I think that's that pretty much sketches you, out the situation. Um, curious, do you get a lot of opposition based on a lot of the recommendations that you make or suggestions that you make based on these visits? No, n- no, not really. So you don't get, you I don't mean, get much and, pushback and, from other, let's say, I don't, I don't know, maybe lightly like delegations or other individuals from other places or anything? No. no? Okay. No, it's a pretty, you know, one thing I'll say about the group that I work with, I mean, we've all known each other for a fairly long time and it's, there's, there's kind of an openness. So when we are at the site, then we go and we have meetings and we talk about it. Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, you always, you don't know, you don't know what happens off, off set. Right. I mean, but no, I mean, it's, it's, um, in terms of of the the professionals that I work with, it's um, it's been pretty harmonious, and that's that's important given, you know, the the problems of again of working at the site. Yeah. That you know, there's a lot of problems with working at the site, and um, yeah. Wow. Well, uh, that's it as far as the questions and. Um, <laughs> Uh, is there anything okay. that you're you want to you want to mention you want to promote i know you said you're working on the book but that's oh. not going to be out for for a while but yeah. what about stuff uh, that you've, you've written uh, quite a few books um can mm. people still get those is it available yeah, yeah? sure yes uh, i have my art of armenia book that's the oxford university press that was published in 2018 um and uh, i i wrote a lot of the 
the Met catalog, um, that Metropolitan Museum of Art catalog. And actually what will be coming out this year um, is a book co-written with Michael Stone, um, professor, Armenian um, professor um, at Hebrew University, which is a, um, a book highlighting the Armenian manuscripts of this amazing collection in Zurich that, that yeah. hadn't been published. So that is coming out. That'll be with Hebrew University Press. This print, I, I, it should be this year. And that is in that, I think that I am, we are introducing the first known, I think, this is possible, I think I'm right, um, the first medieval, carved medieval Armenian ivory that we know from, and I think it's, I think it's 14th century. So that is to, this is, um, you know, coming down the line. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, let us know. We'll yeah, definitely please. link it and promote it. Okay. Uh, but Thank most you. of the books, they can find it on Amazon. Uh, is it available? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Just do okay. a search for my name. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Dr. Christina Moranzi, search for it, get her book, support her. Um, I, I can't thank you enough. You've yeah. been an amazing friend to the show. Uh, and, uh, we can't oh, wait till the book comes out thank and, you. And, and have you back on. Um, anything thank you, you want to mention so before we let you go? No, just, uh, you know, Artsakh, let's like, I know. I let's know. hope that. Yeah. 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 yeah we're we, trying. Yeah. We're, 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 we're specking, specking the beach sand of, uh, you know, speck of sand in the beach. Trying to I do know. our part, you know, just yeah. like everybody yeah. else is. Oh, so we all, we all, we all are. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you and, both uh, so much. And and I know uh, we forgot to congratulate you on the Mashtot Professor oh, position. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so, so much. That is amazing Be yeah. because when we first, oh, uh, you know, you were at uh, at ta uh, uh, Tufts. Wait, yeah, yeah, it's at Tufts. Tufts. Yeah, yeah, Tufts. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So congratulations again. Yeah. Yeah. Thank work. you. I have I have fifty one students enrolled in my Armenian class. So wow, wow, that is amazing. I remember yeah. we talked about yeah. that about Tufts about what kind of you know uh, enrollment yeah. you were getting last time. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. build this too. This is this is I'm gonna get it up. That's there. awesome. That's yeah. so good to hear. Mm -hmm. Thank you for everything you're doing yeah. for for our There's culture, yeah. our heritage. My pleasure. Uh, it is amazing. Great. So, um, well, thank you. Till the next time. Okay. Uh, we wish okay. you the best Dr. and keep Marashi. us, uh, uh, yeah, Thank keep you. us updated with anything coming up. Publications. We'll definitely share it with our audience. So please. Thank you so uh, much. Both of you. It's a pleasure. Thank Likewise. you. Have a great night. <laughs> okay. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Man, I love having her on the show. She yeah. is amazing. And, uh, we, we. Uh, what are, I mean, I could talk to her for yeah. hours. Her. I mean, there's, this is just a small speck of the conversations you can have it, with her and the details of if, if any of you guys haven't heard her name prior to tonight's episode um go look her up on youtube she's got a ton of presentations um really detailed information great slides and whatnot um i mean you know that's i i knew about her before we even start started this of course yeah um yeah. and that's why i was um, to say the least pretty giddy when we first got a hold of her um, way back when. I yeah. was like, you know, again, I have to reiterate, I was shocked that, you know, we got her on. But here we are. Yeah, here we are. And um, I, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this conversation. Um, we love having, uh, you know, intellectuals like Dr. Christina Moranzi on and uh, who, who, you know, sh explain things in a way where you're just, you're just captivating, yeah. you know? 
Um, so we want so much knowledge to bring forth. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like we can do a, you know, five hour episode with her still won't be enough. So, um, let's see. Uh, uh, again, I want to mention about the sponsorship. If you guys are interested, if you have some kind of a business or a product, something that has to be with education, uh, Armenian history or, or anything within that realm, uh, please reach out to us. You can email pod pod at medhedosner.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram, uh, support us on Patreon. You see that little QR code throughout the show on the top. You can go ahead and scan that. Um, help us, uh, you know, any, any amount helps support us, uh, for all the great projects that we have in the pipeline. We're working on it. Um, we've mentioned this before, uh, the forgotten thrones, a lot is happening. It's behind the scenes. Uh, we'll update we, you guys. We more. have a, we have a meeting tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll uh, definitely update you once once everything's uh, kind of like as we go through the stages. Um, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please subscribe. Hit that like button. Make sure you share. Um, you can become a member through YouTube as well. If you want to support us, there's that option right there. You can, uh, you know, it's like two dollars a month. It's like buying us a coffee every time, uh, you know. Uh Besides that, oh, and like I said, for a hike for our heroes, for anybody who's local in the LA area, we'll announce that on our Instagram yeah. and possibly on the next episode when it exactly will be. Please, if you're in the area, come join us. Come uh, right it'll be a great hike, it'll be exercise, and it's for a great cause. So uh, we'll let you know about that. Uh, besides that, anything you want to mention, buddy? No. No? All right, we're good to keep, go. Keep on keeping on. All right, well... Thank you, everyone, for joining us. As we always say at the end of the show, love one another. No, you no, said it I wrong. I said it wrong. It's not love one another. It's respect one another. Love one another. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves.